Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Dane, Geronimo Allison, that's interesting because he went early in that experts draft. I didn't really understand that. I'm not interested. Not it's just cockamamie. Well, cockamamie, just off-season talk. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. It's your boys Alex Dunlap and Byron Lambert here, back from New York City in the FSGA 2019 Summer Conference. Some really cool takeaways from that event that we'll be getting into. But first, a quick reminder, if you like the pod and you're enjoying the podcast and you would like a free pro membership at RosterWatch.com to gain you access to all the epic tools that we are talking about here uh, on the podcast, you can do so by giving us a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. Once we get up to 400 of those, we are going to be picking a whole bunch of you guys to give pro memberships to one year of a pro subscription at rosterwatch.com. All you need to do is give a five-star rating and in the review, say something nice and then leave your Twitter handle or your Instagram handle, however you want us to get a hold of you, should you win. And we are getting very, very close to 400 now, so uh, be on the lookout for those notifications from us if you are a winner. We really appreciate you guys rating and reviewing the pod. We see you doing it, and it's been extremely helpful. We have a bunch of big things planned coming into July and August. With that said, Byron, happy to be home from New York City, or uh, do you already miss it? What do you, what do you think? Definitely happy to be home. That place is disgusting. It's too much trash. I have lived there 10 years ago, but these days count me out. Well, anytime you go in this, any, anytime you go in the summer, the trash just stinks so bad. You know, I think when you're there in the heat of the summer, it, it, it makes it worse. I would nothing, like to say nothing like New York in the wintertime. Would like to say as I continue to digest the fallout from the experts drafts that we covered uh, there at the FSGA uh, in New York City this this last weekend. Man, I'm just digesting the fallout from that, and I'm just you know thinking about how bad some of those picks were. And, you know, I think back to best ball, best ball was the exact same way this year. It was a real no man's uh, land for much of the meat of the draft. And I'll tell you what, Alex, I'm just starting to come around to the idea that there's going to be a lot of bad draft picks this year. There's going to be a lot of bad draft picks. And, you know, that continues to kind of tilt me towards what that gentleman did from the turn in the 14 slot in the draft that we hosted he went with just a mega high upside draft strategy top to bottom and 
you know, the more I think about it, the more I like it. it makes me wonder if when we're splitting the hairs this year, we might really, really need to pay attention to upside for 2019. That one fucking cockamamie draft alone has got you to change your whole <laughs> the way you approach drafts. No, that's not what I said. Yeah, you did. Well, you said that this year, I think in 2019, we need to be thinking about upside. And I, I think we always think about upside, right? I mean. Yeah, I didn't say that that draft is the one that changed my opinion. I said as I digested the fallout from how bad there's going to, how many bad picks they're going to be, it really lends itself to that strategy a little bit more. And that guy happened to put it on display a little bit. He went Odell Beckham Jr., 14 slot, 14 team PPR at the turn, went Odell Beckham Jr., Todd Gurley, Derrick Henry, Sony Michelle, Hunter Henry, Tyreek Hill, Russell Wilson, Curtis Samuel, Ito Smith, the wide receiver handcuff, the elusive rare wide receiver handcuff, Miko Hardman, Debo Samuel, my guy, Kalen Balaj, and then rounds it out with Noah Fant and your guy, Jake Kumro late. I mean, so that's a pretty <laughs> that's a that's a that's a pretty salty draft with a lot of upside from the turns. I just think when you're comparing it to what some of the other owners did here, you know, not only did he have a pretty good draft, some of the other governors, some of the other governors. Yeah, that according to the NBA, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, but I mean, I get, I, I get what you're saying. I just, I didn't want our listeners to think though that upside wasn't something that's already built into these sheets and something that we're only kind of starting to look at this year. That's always been an important thing. But I just, I think it's always more important later. If that makes any sense, I, you, you generally agree, of right? Of course, you, you've always been ahead of the curve. I'm just, I. It, I don't think it takes away from the fact that even if it's something we've waited in the past, it might be something we even give a little extra weight to this year. It's a very, I mean, the, the weeds of this draft are so unclear. It's, I mean, I, I can't remember seeing anything like it. Yeah, I can't remember seeing anything like how bad that draft was. And that's supposed to be an expert's draft, you know, and we're sitting there calling that thing. And it's just like, what the hell are these guys doing? Well, the you board know? is just so uncleared and littered with question marks from early on all the way to the end so it's a no man's land it's it's going to be a lot of a lot of landmines and minefield fantasy drafts this year and uh i just think there's going to be a lot of mistakes and a lot of bad picks so in a year where sometimes we might say all right that guy went two over his skis on upside picks i am just saying i i I buy i buy an aggressive strategy like that a little bit more this year i get it because people are drafting badly they're drafting badly. But to me, it's like when they're drafting badly, I'm just going to take the value that falls. And by using the cheat sheet, that's exactly what you can do. I mean, even in that 14-team draft, had I been using the cheat sheet, and I was using it so I could list off best player available, you know, at coming out of commercial breaks whenever I was asked to do that and stuff like that. And there were times where players just fell and fell and fell. And I said, I cannot believe this player's falling so far. And where there's play like, I mean, th- dude, uh, Philip Lindsay went in round two, early round two of that draft. I mean, I just. Yeah, but you I, know who might have been the worst pick of that draft was Royce Freeman in round seven. We didn't even really get to that on air. I mean, it was, it was those kind of picks left and right. Almost the entire round four was a throw around, a throwaway round, in my opinion. And the, and the reason that we talk about this is we say it all the time. I mean, if every year, if you go back and compare the team you drafted, to the team you finished with at the end of the season, I mean, they bear very little resemblance. 
Um, if they do, if they do, you didn't listen to us and you didn't work hard and, enough, and and you didn't win, right? And yeah. so, when you consider that, you know, kind of a retrospect, you know, a lot of times it really is. You're only gonna. <laughs> odds are you're really only going to hit on a couple of guys you're going to keep all year long anyways. And so in a year where it's a little more unclear, I just think you put all that together. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't fault the folks who get a little more aggressive this year. And I, and and the folks who tend to be very aggressive drafters, I think this could tilt in their favor a little bit this season. Looks like there's a little bit of news we'll get to before I wanted to have a big discussion with you about the very top of the PPR cheat sheet, something I've been having, um, just to, as I begin to coming out of FSGA, one of the things was you talk to a lot of people and you have a lot of conversations and you get the get the vibe of a lot of smart people and I, I'm beginning to I'm I'm beginning to have I just I want I want to talk to you about the very top of the cheat sheet but first let's talk about this quote from Devonte Adams here on uh, Roto World via Pro Football Talk. Uh, Florio put up the post about um, Devontae Adams talking that Geronimo Allison is going to be dangerous in the new offense. So he said he's going to be working a lot in the slot. He's used to playing a little more outside. This is making him a little bit more dynamic. What do you think? Geronimo Allison is is anything but electric (laughs) or dynamic. Um, He says it's making him a little bit more dynamic. I don't know if Geronimo Allison can be dangerous, Byron. We've seen him going back to – his senior bowl, I think he was a Shrine Game guy and a late call-up to the senior bowl, if I remember correctly. And then he's always been pretty slow. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, on the other hand, has an ADP 25 spots later currently. We've heard rumblings through the early parts of OTAs that it seems like he's sort of the number two out on the outside with uh, Geronimo Allison in the slot. Do you think that Geronimo Allison is somebody that we should be paying more attention to, or do you still like the value of – Marquez Valdez-Scanling in round, you know, 11, 12, 13 versus Geronimo Allison more in round 9, 10, 11. I mean, people forget that the media is in the content business, not the news business these days, and the economics dictate it. So at the slow times of year annually— Florio get- even says, man, this this report goes for pro football talk, and, 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 and he says during this time of year, we don't choose the stories. The stories choose us. He had to fucking do a whole set of—he had to do a whole set of reports about Cam Newton offering somebody at 1500 bucks to sit, to sit in a plane seat. He said, but he says there's nothing to write about. Basically, he's saying story. you're scrounging around for whatever comes your you way. Can, whatever about. comes your way, you, you take it this time of year. <laughs> sounds like the trash man that's for sure so <laughs> uh Al- geronimo allison never a player we've ever associated the word dangerous with i don't really buy it i buy this as as manufactured narrative and potentially fake news fake nfl news so i'm with you alex whenever we're going to split those hairs it's going to be with the upside and it's going to be with the adp late the value and that's marquez Valdez Scantling. Marquez Valdez Scantling. A Colombian coffee dealer. The 2019 Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy football players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. 
the Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed. It's magical, it's mystical, it's mythical! The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet only at rosterwatch.com. Let's see if there's any other reports. Deontay, Deontay Foreman, um, this from the Houston Chronicle. He says that he's light. Uh, his running backs coach, Danny Barrett, says he's light years ahead of where he was last year. That's not necessarily surprising. Uh, considering he was coming off an Achilles last year, and that I always said, man, you know, I I have good sources around Deontay just because I, you know, I got to know him during his time. I got to know Deontay and his brother Armani before they even got to got to the University of Texas, just because they were on the camp circuit so much with their dad and various members of their family and their crew from out there in, out there in Texas City. And look, man. I I know that coming into last coming into last year, there the issue with it. I think he was a little bit worried about cutting on it full speed at the very end of the year. I just think that he wasn't. I think that he was a little bit scared, you know. So if he was a little bit out of shape and he was worried about cutting on it on full speed and everything like that, you can see why Bill O'Brien was always so nebulous about the reports that he gave on him why we hardly saw him down the stretch at all. We know what Deontay Foreman could be when he's healthy. Are you interested right now, though, because, you know, we're seeing the ADP rise a little bit. He's up to ADP of kind of the 10th round, 11th round turn, sort of 11th roundish. Sometimes he's falling to the 12th and 13th round where we're getting him late, but it's becoming less and less often, much like Jalen Samuels. Those are guys who I'm having to make. Coming into version 2.0 of the epic cheat sheet available at rosterwatch.com, I'm going to have to move both those guys up just because their ADPs seem to be kind of creeping up, and I want to make sure we get some late exposure to both of them. Let me ask you first, how you feel about Deontay, um, how that makes you feel about Lamar Miller, and then after that, I do want to ask you about Jalen Samuels, and if you, you know, just in a vacuum, if you would prefer Jalen Samuels or, or Deontay Foreman in 2019. I mean, two ADPs that are predictably rising, and of course, ones that we've been out in in front of, and will stay stay that way as long as it continues to make well, it's sense. It's going to be hard for much so, long. It's going to be hard for much longer because yeah. soon we're going to see Deontay's and Lamar Miller's converge, and what happens then? The universe inverts. <laughs> our minds mel- our, our minds melt in front of everyone. Yeah, so at current ADPs, I think both Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman are fine picks right now. I actually think it's one of the probably one of the smarter handcuff type situations that you can get value on, kind of lock a running game up uh, on a good offense. Uh, so I, I actually think there's a lot of appeal to both guys and to the handcuff situation right now at current ADP. If I could have my druthers, I'd tilt my exposure to that backfield to Foreman at, with a double digit and ADP in the double digit rounds. Uh, that's our guy anyways. We think he's the future. So I, you know, at that point I, I'd like to just kind of, again, place my bet on the, the upside there if I could have things my way, but all around, I think there's appeal to, to the entire situation. So, to, um, as these ADPs start to converge though, and, and universes collide and ADP with Lamar Miller, I mean, eight, look, I, this, I'm looking at fantasy pros at the consensus of oh I'm sorry so that's standard let me let me just look back at this let me make sure so Deontay Foreman in PPR is 118 Samuels is 
um, 127. And then in, uh, let me just see where Lamar Miller is. Because it's, they were saying in this one, they were saying in standard that Lamar Miller's ADP was, ah, it's right about the same in PPR. They have it at 74, so that would be, what, ninth, early ninth round? 80, eight, no, 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 seventh, early, early eighth round. 74 is early eighth, right? Because, no, seventh round is pick 84. When you get through round seven, you're through pick 84. So, look, we're getting Lamar Miller consistently in the eighth and ninth round. Apparently, his ADP, though, is more like seventh round. Um, what do you think? Yeah, do, do you think, like, seventh round's too early for Lamar Miller, right? We, we have it priced right where it's more like a kind of back of the eighth round. If he falls there, we're going to take I that. Mean, I'm, I'm looking at this at PPR. He went round six in his 14-team Experts, so I was kind of extrapolating that out to round seven in a 12 teamer. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with round seven for a competitive 12 team team, 12 team league with Lamar Miller. There's a lot of wasted picks in front of him, so I think that's about the cutoff um, point, though. As far as Jalen Samuels and Deontay Foreman over a large sample, I'd like to have some of each of them. Probably fairly close to 50-50, but if I've only got one go at it, I want Jalen Samuels, Okay, especially, especially in PPR. And is that just because you think that there's a chance that while both are in committees, Jalen Sam, Samuels, at least from the start, has a chance to be a real 1B in that committee, whereas Deontay Foreman's probably going to have to wait you know, a couple weeks, if anything else, to really pick up the steam to take over – Lamar Miller's job. I think once he takes over Lamar Miller's job, he would be more valuable down the stretch than just a complimentary Jalen Samuels would be. Yeah, it's more speculative. I'm just more certain about Jalen Samuels' role heading into the season. I like it. And I also think Samuels has quite a bit of upside, especially in PPR. Not only if have we seen if Connor goes down, Samuels could go bananas. I know we got Snell in there now, but I'd expect Samuels to flash big if Connor ever went down. I think he can go big in PPR regardless of Connor and you know you lose a guy like Antonio Brown there's a lot of targets to be vacuumed up in that offense and Jalen Samuels a 90 plus reception guy out of NC State he certainly has a chops to hoover up a whole bunch of those Ezekiel Elliott um met with the commissioner I guess on Monday was it on Monday maybe it was Tuesday in New York maybe it was a I don't know Maybe it was a multi-day thing, um, but he apologized. Apparently, um, let's see what he says here. Let me see. We got the tweet here from Ezekiel Elliott. It says, "Earlier today, I met with the commissioner to share with him what occurred in Las Vegas and what I've learned from that incident. I work hard to make better decisions and to live up to the high standards that are expected of me. I failed to do that here, and I made a poor decision. I apologized to Kyle Johnson at the time, and I meant it." I need to work harder to ensure that I do not put myself in compromised situations in the future. I'm rededicating myself to use all of the resources that the league has made available, but in the end, it's up to me, and I'm determined not to be in this position again. I don't think he needs to be doing all media tour apologizing for this. I mean, what he was detained at the concert. I don't know who Kyle Johnson even is. Um, he was not arrested, right? Just detained. There's a difference. With that being said, trouble seems to follow Zeke Elliott. How, how does it, 
it's looking like with the, you know you don't get put out this kind of apology and, and do the kind of stuff unless maybe you got the wink wink nod nod from Goodell that you know we're going to be okay It'd be nice if you apologized and oh by the way I don't want Jerry after my ass again because I mean Jerry I mean look man he he has to answer to the owners and Jerry can probably make your job a real pain in the ass as commissioner whenever he's so pissed and feels like one of his players wasn't treated fairly the way that Zeke wasn't whenever no charges were filed against him but just due to the pattern of behavior um he got the major suspension previously it seemed like it would take a whole lot and something with really concrete you know something like a tire you know not like a tire not necessarily like a Tyree kill but something where there was a some kind of video of him doing it or some you know a real arrest or like a DWI or something like that you would need something big to really slam down on Zeke again because you know what Jerry's going to do. What do, do you agree, or what do you think about this whole situation? I mean, I just like to know what the timetable is for Goodell to hand something down if, in fact, he were going to. I mean, I we th- I think at this point before th- training camp. I mean, no. no. I think the day. I think it would have kind of been today. So I'm saying, I so I, of, by the time our fantasy drafts in earnest come around, I'm, I feel like we're going to have clarity on it. I think what we can, what we've seen at this point is that Zeke's ADP has been depressed a little bit among the top four guys, especially in PPR. So, you know, out of sight, out of mind, the, you know, trouble following him. You know, maybe short memories about his PPR prowess last year. I don't know. I think, think we're seeing a little, little dip in Zeke's. Uh, ADP there at the top of drafts, and I like that, man. I like that a whole lot. So I want as much Zeke as I can get. Uh, I'll take him wherever I can get him. It brings me right to my next point. I think I'm thinking that with this news, I'm just I'm thinking that Zeke Elliott needs to be the first pick. I think he needs to be the 101, even in PPR, just because whenever you look at the whenever you look at his schedule. It's a good schedule. His first three games, he's or four, four of his Byron, four of his first five games are against what we have projected as top eight matchups for opposing runners. He gets he gets the Giants at home. He gets to go uh, at Washington. Now Washington, that that's the one that I feel the most goosey about because they have a lot of talent stockpiled along that defensive line. So I'm I'm worried that the analytics could really shift quickly on that one. But as far as from the preseason start, from a schedule adjusted, um, from a schedule adjusted perspective from 2018, mixed in with our analytics on the players that will be starting on that defense in the, in the front seven for 2019, for some reason it's still showing as like the number eight matchup overall. And then Miami is just going to be, of course, a, a putrid uh, you know, matchup. He also gets Green Bay, who we have as a top eight matchup on the season, the only tough matchup in the first five weeks at New Orleans, out of all of these guys who we consider at the very top of our drafts, um, Ezekiel Elliott has has a you know he has a better schedule overall in the season than Christian McCaffrey. He has a better uh, schedule on the season overall than Alvin Kamara. And whenever we look at um, whenever we look at Saquon Barkley. It's 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 basically the well on the season Saquon Barkley has a little bit a small bit easier schedule and a better playoff schedule but 
Uh, the fast start is basically just the same. He'll start out, of course, he'll have Dallas, as we just mentioned. He'll also have Buffalo, who's been putrid. Tampa Bay, who hasn't been as bad, but still pretty bad in a top 12 matchup. Washington is a top eight matchup. And then Minnesota, who even is a middling matchup, but I mean, they have never been, never been that easy. Then he has to go to New England. And I mean, riddle me once who you think that Bill Belichick's going to stop whenever the New York Giants come to town. I don't think that, you know, just because he has a really good playoff schedule, getting Green Bay, Miami, Washington, I do not think that that intro to the season is as good. And then with all, like, you know, Christian McCaffrey went 101 in the draft that we covered. There was a PPR draft. And when I talked to a lot of people about that, they said it makes sense. And they said that the more and more they're thinking about it, the more and more they worry about Saquon Barkley being in a David Johnson 2018 sort of situation where we just love him. But what if by week seven, it's a lost season and Daniel Jones is in there. Daniel Jones goes the way of Josh Allen, where all he does is get shell-shocked and run the football and, you know, um, you know, especially down in the red zone and in the end zone. We know that that's something that Daniel Jones has to his skill set that people don't worry about. I, I worry about that. He's a big kid who's a good runner. I know that Dak took a lot away from Zeke at the, in the red zone last year. Just in a, in a PPR league, if we're not worried about Zeke getting the suspension right now, do you think it makes sense to get him – I mean, we've even talked about McCaffrey, Camaro. Like, we're. I just, I, I, I feel like we need to get this more settled coming into July because for me, all through the offseason, it's just been Saquon. Because Saquon is the first pick of Dynasty. Saquon feels like in PPR, he should. It feels like he should be, but you start kind of putting all this stuff together. You look at the schedules. You look at the way that New York projects as an offense, and what if they are just really, really bad? We know that that is going to have a big effect on Saquon Barkley. What do you think about all this? I mean, the way I'd have it today is Christian McCaffrey, number one overall in PPR, and Zeke Elliott, number one overall in standard. I mean, this brings up a lot of talking points. I mean, last year I had Zeke as the number one overall in all formats, standard, PPR, half point, all of them. Um, and it pretty much pretty much paid off, you know. So it gives me, it makes me a, a touch, probably irrationally, makes me a touch goosey to think, okay, I was ahead of it last year, but now that we're finally comfortable with it, we're going to make that move. And then just when you're comfortable, it's, it feels like sometimes when you get – uh, blindsided a little bit, but that's probably irrational. Zeke's still in a very, very good spot, and it could all just be confirmation on where my head was at last year. He had the 77 receptions. I knew he's a, a potential PPR maven. That guy's a, a very good receiver, and you know he didn't. He's gonna. He didn't get as many touchdowns last year as he's probably gonna get this year. He's probably gonna have uh, positive regression when it comes to the red zone into the end zone. So all that very. Do you think thing- with Tony Pollard there, they they what do you think they he that guy's a good receiver that we that we kind of liked a little bit. Do you worry that the receptions could go down if they're trying to integrate him as sort of maybe not a one two puncher? I mean, or is that still just the Zeke show where he just eats? I think year one Tony Pollard is still the Zeke show. I mean, if just think ask ask your. January senior bowl self right that right. question and you would have probably like laughed yourself yeah. out of the room. I mean not to say there's not something to like there. I mean I don't we don't dislike Tony Pollard, but I think this year we're fine to maybe fade that that concern. 
Um, you know, in some ways, you know, and you know, I've kind of been saying this for a couple of months now, in some ways I wonder if Alvin Kamara is not the guy we're all sleeping on a little bit here. I mean, if he's going to fall to four every time, I might really like drafting from the four hole in any format, you know, but especially half point or in full point, you know, I'll be curious to see if Latavius can really pick up exactly what Ingram did. I, I, I have to think Alvin Kamara's role is going to grow a little bit this year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if, it, if it's up to me, I probably like McCaffrey and Zeke one and one, but I, I can, I can live going, going whole hog in on Zeke. There's a lot to like there. I think Barkley is going to be very tough for him to improve on the season he had last year. Not that he would need to, to provide commensurate value with number one overall, but I think there's enough there to pull just, him down a tiny bit. I just looked back at everybody. Like, if you're picking at 1.01, don't you want a guy that's going to finish as the best running back in fantasy? Yeah, that's and that's typically Zeke Elliott. You know, it typically is. It really, it really is. Well, and I'm just like, if you look back every year at who it is, they don't generally come from teams that are just off. They're like, I mean, the Giants are probably going to be pretty awful. And the number one running back in fantasy never comes from teams that are five and eleven or four, you know four and twelve. It just doesn't it doesn't happen. You know if that's the thing if he gets if he gets a hamstring in week eleven in a lost season with Daniel Jones, they're just going to run it out with Wayne Gallman and Paul Perkins. They're not going to want Saquon to get hurt. I just I just there's a lot. I'll of, say the issue with all these guys, none of them have a good handcuff except for Kamara. Yeah. That's true, but the fact that you know the fact that Christian McCaffrey, there's nobody who you can even think about. He's got even no a, competition, zero competition, especially for third down. Never been on an NFL injury report, no, despite I mean, all I, the work. I, I think it's a sharp move, McCaffrey at one in PPR, and you know you think back to last year that was there was that gentleman that uh, was in an ex a real real high end expert draft that was kind of getting some run on Twitter for the fact that he took Christian McCaffrey very, very early in round one as a really sharp player when nobody was even considering that last year and really paid off for him in that league. So, you know, again, you know, you hate to, the value was last year. You hate to, to, you know, to pay number one for that guy this year that you're getting so, so cheap last year. But I think McCaffrey, it's early enough in his career, still a guy we can kind of be out in front on, man. I mean, I, I think you got to like him there. Think you gotta like him. If you just and if and in PPR, the other thing is if you know if you look at just if you look at if 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 you look at his game log, you know the fewest the fewest targets that he had in a game outside of Week 17 where he where he sat out early. I mean the fewest targets that he so versus Cincinnati he only had two targets and two receptions but he had 28 rushes in that game I mean other than that the fewest that you'll find as far as receptions is actually five and that's a whole that's a whole 17 game season like I mean there were games versus of course versus Atlanta it was predictable but Jesus versus Atlanta he had 14 and 12 receptions each in that one versus Seattle he had 11 receptions he had you know he had at least five in every game that wasn't the week 17 game where he was pulled out early or that Cincinnati game. That's just starting out with a, that's starting out with five points in PPR leagues. I don't see how that changes one bit. It isn't like, I mean, it isn't like Cam Newton's just going to stop throwing in the football. He's coming off the shoulder thing. 
they got all these guys that can run after catch. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. That's what they're going to want to do moving forward. Get these guys to football. Let them be electric after catch. Christian McCaffrey fits that bill. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.